Welcome to the Inspiring Women Weekly Podcast, where women come to be encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to go further, push harder, and shine brighter through personal conversations with me, your host, LaShonda McLaurin. So, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 100 of the Inspiring Women Weekly Podcast. LaShonda here, and I hope that you're having an amazing day and ready to have yet another great week. We did it, guys. We made it to episode 100. For the past 100 weeks, I have written, recorded, edited, and published an episode for this podcast, Inspiring Women Weekly. It has been a joy and a journey. So I figured what better time than now to recap a few of my favorite moments. So in today's episode, we are going to take a look back over these past 100 episodes and I'll share with you some, not all, because we literally don't have time, but I'll share some of my top moments, interviews, tips, and more. So please take a listen and celebrate with me this amazing milestone while I hope to inspire you to start your journey. Guys, I have been hype for the last few weeks because I knew this episode was coming. We made it to 100. Yay! (laughs) If you've ever tried to be consistent with something that you don't have to do, then you understand why I am so satisfied with myself for uploading for 100 weeks straight. Perfect attendance. I've shown up for you guys every week for 100 weeks, and I hope that you have enjoyed every single episode. In addition to being proud of myself, I am so thankful for you guys. Thank you for showing up, for sharing, for leaving reviews, for being there for every episode. Thank you for sending me messages saying how much this podcast has impacted you. Every single one of you matter to me, and I so appreciate you. And it is because of you that I've been here every week for the past 100 weeks. And it's because of you that I'll probably be here for another 100 episodes. <laughs> oh, Lord, the thought of that is kind of crazy. But anywho, <laughs> in addition to you all, I want to thank my husband for his endless support, my kids for always being so excited to listen to mommy on Monday mornings, my parents and my siblings who ride for me, and my friends for listening and sharing always. Thank you all so much. So today I really wanted to take a walk down memory lane and share a few of my favorite moments with you. And after hearing about them, you can go back and check out each episode in its entirety. So let's go back to the beginning, the very first episode of the Inspiring Women Weekly Podcast. Now, when I got the idea for this podcast, I knew that the very first episode had to be about rejection. And I chose rejection because it was like a nemesis to me. It was something that I had struggled with accepting for so long and I felt like I had finally made peace with it. And I knew that my rejections were the reason that I was in that particular place to start the podcast in the first place. So here's a little snippet of my very first episode, Rejection Brought Me Here. So let's flash back to middle school, seventh grade, South Carolina, 
and I decided that I was going to try out for the girls basketball team. That's right. Your girl wants to be a baller. However, anyone who knows me knows I am not an active, physically active person. Never have been. Not saying that I never will be, but it just was not in me, especially in that time in my life. I was just not a physically fit person. But nonetheless, I decided that I was going to try out for the girls basketball team. I went to tryouts every day for that week. I read all those suicides up and down those bleachers, did all those drills. I went out there and put in the work. Okay, the week went by and it's now time for the coaches to tell everyone who made the team. So back then they had a piece of paper with all the players names on it. They put it up on the wall and everybody rushes to the paper to see if they made the team or not. I rush the paper and I look up and I look down and I look up and I look down and I do not see my name. Surprise, I didn't make the team. And as much sense as that made, because again, I was not good, y'all. I could not play basketball and I still can't even though I love it. But as much as it made sense for me not to make it, because I was going up against girls who this was their passion, this was their thing, they loved, they lived and breathed basketball. As much as it made sense for me to not make the team, I still felt hurt, rejected, ashamed, and embarrassed. I didn't want to tell my family who I knew they were just waiting to know if I made the team or not. I didn't want anyone to ask me about it. I just wanted to crawl up on the bleachers somewhere and just hide because in my mind I had failed. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed and I didn't want to try to do that anymore. I never tried off a basketball again after that. It's probably a good thing, but that experience made me not want to try out for that anymore because I was rejected. So that was the first time that I remember. Again, I know it probably happened all throughout my childhood that I was rejected and told no. Um, Let's go to high school, dealing with boys and peers. I'm sure I was rejected many, many times. We can go to college, also being rejected by peers and social clubs and things of that nature. And every time that I was rejected, I had the same reaction, shame, embarrassment, sadness, and even sometimes anger, depending on the situation, and so on and so forth. And that just continued to be my hate, hate, no love, hate, hate, hate relationship with the rejection. Shame and embarrassment always followed for me behind rejection. And it was always a sense of I failed, even though I tried to do this or I tried to do that or I tried to fit in there or I tried to reach that goal. If it did not happen, I felt rejected. And with that came a flood of negative feelings. So my relationship with rejection began to change in my mid 20s. I had been married for a few years now, and I decided that I wanted to go and get my master's degree in counseling. I applied to a a program and eagerly waited for the acceptance letter to come in the mail. And I got a letter in the mail, all right, but it was not an acceptance letter. It was a rejection letter. And I was shocked. I was, that was a real surprise. The basketball team was not a surprise, but getting rejected from that school for my master's degree was a surprise to me. Like I was, I just, I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, this school is not even all that. Like how y'all going to reject me? So again, 
When I got rejected, those same old ugly feelings came back of shame and embarrassment and feeling like a failure. And I didn't want to tell anybody. I don't think I did tell anybody that I even applied to the program. I didn't want anybody to know. I just wanted to hide it. And I felt really down and kind of hard on myself about not getting accepted by somebody else. And about six months after that happened, something occurred to me that really began to change the way I view rejection. I'm a military spouse and my husband got orders to move all the way to Arizona. At that time, we were in North Carolina and we got orders to move to Arizona. We were moving to an extremely small town in Arizona. It did not have a college nearby. It didn't have much nearby at all, honestly. But moving there would have meant that I couldn't transfer my credits if I had started at that school. I wasn't going to be able to transfer my credits. There was no school nearby for me to go to. And then upon further research, I realized that that program wasn't even the program I needed to go to because it didn't have the right accreditation. So six months later, after being rejected and embarrassed, I realized that, that there was light in that rejection. I was thankful for that rejection. I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't go there because if I had gone there, that would have been six months of time wasted. That would have been a semester worth of money wasted. That would have been a lot of headache trying to realize that I cannot transfer my credits. And then an even bigger headache when I realized that I couldn't get my license because the program was not certified the way I wanted it to be. So I kind of had to do like a, hmm, this is strange. I actually am glad I wasn't rejected. Well, thank you, God. High five. I appreciate you for doing that, even though in the moment I did not. So that is when I kind of started to have different feelings about rejection. And I just kind of tried to keep that situation in my mind as I move forward throughout life. I did not become perfect. I still had to deal with, you know, my battles with rejection. But I tried to keep that situation in mind just to remember, okay, this rejection thing may have a different spin on it that you hadn't been thinking about all this time. So I get my master's. I get my license in counseling. I'm working at a job that I really, really enjoyed as an outpatient therapist. And I decided, you know what? Let's kick it up another notch. Let's go back to school and get your doctorate degree. So I do all the things that I need to do. I study for that dreaded GRE exam. I take it. I do the applications and all the essays and the references and the transcripts, pay the fees, and I applied to this program for my doctorate degree. This time, I didn't even get a letter, y'all. I got an email. And it was a rejection email. And I was like, doggone it. Here we go again. Except my thoughts were not the same. Same situation. I was rejected. But I wasn't the same person. I had matured. And I realized that, okay, the last time this happened, there was a reason. And it was in my favor. Maybe, just maybe, I don't know for certain, but maybe this time is going to be the same way. Guys, I was right. That rejection from the PhD program was a blessing in disguise. Because of that rejection, I started McLaurin Mental Wellness, which has been a massive blessing, and this podcast. Listening to that episode really just makes me smile. I can hear the nervousness in my voice. I remember sitting on the floor in my closet, recording it and being so nervous and asking myself, 
is this going to work? Is this worth it? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in next week's episode. But I'm so glad for that rejection and this journey that it sparked. Rejection brought me here, guys. That is the truth. Ask yourself, where has rejection taken you? I bet it's taking you further than you may think. Now, let's flash back to one of the most referenced episodes, and that is episode number seven, Comparison Kills. Now, I know y'all probably heard me say that so many times throughout this podcast life. I reference this episode the most in, in my other podcast episodes, and for good reason. Let's take a quick listen to it. One of the first things I remember comparing when I was younger that negatively impacted my life was my thoughts about my size. I've always been small. And when I was a kid, it was called being skinny or bony or whatever. And as a kid, I was an extremely, extremely late bloomer. I mean, like the forest is here and I'm still waiting to bloom. Okay. And as a teen, I remember comparing my body to other more developed girls and wishing I had what they had. I was fine with my size because it was all I knew until I compared myself to someone else who others thought was more beautiful. Because of that comparison, it took me years to become happy with my physical makeup. That was me as a child doing childish things. But what about now? Why do we as adults who are supposed to be wise and smarter, why do we still continue to compare? We live in a time where comparing is as easy to do as breathing. We have access to people's lives or the lives they want us to see with just a click of a button. One stroll through Instagram and you can see what everyone you know and even people you don't know, what they're doing, what they're buying, when they're traveling, what they're wearing and what they're succeeding in. The highlights of their life are there for everyone to see. And what do we do? We look at it, we take it in and we begin to measure ourselves against their lives. We measure their success without knowing what they did to get there, how long it took them to get there, what they had to do, what they had to sacrifice, what they're missing out on now, and even the fact that they may not be happy where they are now. Without all of that information, we begin to compare and question our own journey, our own successes and failures. Now, what you have accomplished isn't good enough. You were happy with your salary until you saw that old girl over there is making double that. You were happy with your job until you learned that one of your friends got a promotion. You were satisfied with your degree level until you learned that your sister over there got her doctorate. You were happy in your relationship until you found out that your old classmate got engaged and they've been dating for less time than you and your man. You were loving your size until you saw a picture of someone on Instagram who had abs, perky breasts, and a big butt. That's not real, by the way. (laughs) life was great until you looked into your neighbor's yard and saw what they had. Comparison can suck the happiness out of your life. Where you were once satisfied, you are now trying to figure out how to have more, be more, get more, look different, and etc. Comparison breeds discontentment and insecurities. In my practice, I work with some women who are doing amazing things. I'm talking about doctors and lawyers and accountants, and they have accomplished so much, yet they do not see their success due to being so busy looking at others' perceived success. And I call it perceived success because we have no clue what is really going on in another person's life. We only know what they show us and tell us. 
So many of us are being distracted by others' lives that we no longer focus on the goals we should be focused on in our lives. We are now focused on having what others have. Society will have you believing that the number of likes you have, the number of followers you have, and your friend count determines your success. But let me tell you, popularity does not equal success. That is a ploy to keep you chasing after a shiny ball and not after God's purpose for your life. Comparison can play the best of us. Even when you're focused, comparison can creep in and shift your mindset. And it's okay. The important thing is to realize that it's happening and get back on track. Isn't that the truth? Just get back on track. Comparison is still a big issue and it's one that I don't see going away anytime soon. I truly hope that you don't let comparison strip you of your happiness and joy. Don't let comparison kill your dreams. There have been plenty of times throughout this podcast lifespan that I have compared myself to others and it has made me rethink if I should be doing this at all. And that is what I mean about don't let comparison stop you from doing what you know that you should be doing. Keep your eyes focused on the prize. Keep your eyes focused on your why and keep going. So the next episode we are going to flashback to is the most downloaded episode on the podcast. And when I looked at the stats to determine the most downloaded episode, I was shocked when I saw what it was. The most downloaded episode of the podcast is episode number 76, Mamba Mentality. And that was a tribute to Kobe Bryant. Take a listen. Oh, y'all. Okay, so... Today has been sort of a struggle. My family, not me and my husband, but myself, my parents, my siblings, we are diehard Kobe Bryant Lakers fans. I've never met Kobe. I've never seen him, but I feel very hurt by his passing. And I know that there may be some people who can't relate and don't understand how a person can be sad about the passing of someone that they never met. There will be people who don't understand it or even find it absurd to care about a person you've never met or who doesn't even know who you are. Well, the reason why that can happen is because of impact. My entire family are Lakers lovers, and that's because of Kobe. I had aspirations to meet him one day and to interview him, to be able to pick his mind because the man was intelligent on and off the court. Well, I won't have that opportunity. But he lived enough life for me to have some lessons to hold on to. And I'm going to share a few of those with you right now. Lesson number one, hard work pays off. Kobe was a hard worker. He was a type that would practice before a game, score 60 points during the game, then go and practice after the game. Like who does that? Kobe Bryant did that. He showed that hard work never stopped when you want it to be great. That if you practice, if you're consistent, if you're relentless, success will come. It will have no choice but to come because you work so hard for it. You can't be the best if you don't put in the work to be the best. If you want to be the best but not put in the work, then you're just making a wish. If there is something that you desire, whether it be in your career or within your family, if you want it to occur, You got to put in the work necessary. Be consistent with that hard work and watch what happens. Lesson number two is be 
relentless. Relentless is a word that many other athletes use to describe Kobe when he's on the court. The lesson here is to go after it with no fear. When you know you've put in the work, you can then be relentless. You can go out there and do things with no fear because you know that you are prepared. Never stop pursuing what you want, even when you're rejected, even when you fail, because as great as he was, he didn't win every game. He didn't win every championship. Even when you're hurt or tired, if you still want it, go for it. Be relentless in your pursuit. Lesson number three, it's okay to stop. Now, if you want it, be relentless. But Kobe also showed us that when it's not your passion anymore, it's okay to stop. Kobe had one of the most graceful retirements that I've ever seen. He didn't enjoy playing basketball anymore, so he decided to stop. Sometimes we need to let things go, but we are afraid of what's to come, so we just hold on to it when we really should just step away. It's okay to fall out of love with something. You just need to be true to yourself and know when it's time to step aside and make room for what's next in your life. Lesson number four is never too late to start. So after 20 years of being the best basketball player, Kobe didn't do what most athletes do, which is become a commentator or coach, but he decided to begin anew with something he had never done before. And he excelled at it. His short animation, Dear Basketball, earned him an Oscar. A former basketball player earning an Oscar. It had never happened before. But it is a true testament to it never being too late to start something new and become good at it. You don't have to stay in a certain lane because that's what everybody else does or because that's what you've always done. You can start again. You just have to be brave enough to take that leap. And that is what the Mamba mentality is all about. Now, the last lesson, lesson number five, is family over everything. Along with being a great basketball player, it seems that Kobe was a family man. Even in his death, he was with his daughter going to coach one of her games. If you learn nothing else, learn to love those who love you. Learn to live each day showing that love. Remember that life is short, so cherish every smile, every hug, every moment you have with people you care about. Remember what truly matters. Above all the basketball stats and numbers, I'm sure Kobe's impact on his family is what will be remembered the most. So it is still very hard to believe that Kobe Bryant is gone. That was a rough start to 2020, and honestly, things have just kept getting crazier. That episode was short and sweet. It was only about seven minutes long, but it seemed to really resonate with people. And the biggest thing I took away from it is the importance of impact, to do what you love and to go hard with it. Your impact will be here long after you're gone. And speaking of impact, the last episode I want to share with you all is from one of my favorite interviews. I had the chance to interview some amazing women and my amazing husband, but this interview really takes the cake. It is episode 91, Dear Mama, where I interviewed two of the most important people in my life. Take a listen. 
Now, let's see if we can get through this interview without a lot of giggling and laughing and falling out because they are so giddy right now to be on the podcast. But it is truly my pleasure to have you guys here. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. (laughs) So my first question is, why do you think there's a holiday called Mother's Day? Because mom, the moms always give birth to their youngs. And you think that's special? Yes. <laughs> so we celebrate it be- that holiday. Okay. So what do you think is the cool thing about moms? What do you like about your mommy, Alex? That they uh, love their children. What do you think is special about moms, Ethan? It gave us life. Mm, that's a big one. Gave you life. <laughs> well, Alex, let's let's talk about your mommy. What do you like the most about your mommy? Mm, it's when you give me a lot of sugar. <laughs> well, Ethan, what do you like the most about your mommy? I like about my mom because she um. She takes care of us, and she and she loves us, and she's beautiful. Oh, Ethan, boy, you was landing on thick. Yes, ma'am. And you're awesome, and you cook things good, and I love your earrings. <laughs> Alice likes to play dress up in my earrings and with my makeup. Okay, so what do you wish I did more of as your mommy? Play more. Okay, what do you wish, Alex? Play baby dolls more. <laughs> Alex's favorite game to play is baby dolls. So you guys want mommy to play more. Okay, what do you wish I didn't do as much? What do you want me to do less of? Less getting uh, frustrated and getting upset and mad. Oh, that's a good one. Because mommies get upset and frustrated and mad sometimes, right? Alex, what would you like it for me to do less of? Mm, take a nap oh you want me to take less naps oh Alex (laughs) Alex is saying that because she doesn't like to take naps but she knows mommy loves to take naps so those are good answers guys and those are very honest answers because the, the thing about moms is that as much as we love our kids we're not perfect so sometimes we get frustrated and angry sometimes we get tired and we need to take naps But I'm glad to hear that there are some cool things that I do, too. Y'all have no clue how funny it was to interview my five and seven year old. We had to do a few takes because some of the things that were blurred out was just so random. But it was one of my favorite episodes because just to hear their little voices makes my heart melt. And with them is where my impact matters the most they are my legacy and I do this podcast in part for them when I'm long gone they can still hear my words of wisdom and learn so guys those are just a few of my favorite moments so far on the podcast I've had so many episodes and interviews with some amazing people that I just don't have the time to share them all if you listen from episode one until now you'll see that I haven't been perfect. Some episodes are better than others. I've made mistakes. I stutter. I stammer. I get nervous. But nonetheless, I'm still on this journey. 
I truly hope this milestone inspires you to start your journey, whatever it may be. Start the podcast, start the YouTube channel, start the business, start the degree, start the family, start the journey. No journey is perfect, but it is definitely worth it. So I hope that you feel inspired to start on whatever God has laid on your heart to put in the work in order to achieve the success you desire and to be consistent. For the past 100 weeks, I've consistently hoped to have inspired you to push harder, shine brighter and go further. Now it's your turn. So until next time, stay encouraged and inspire someone else along the way. Here's to the next 100 episodes.